Good morning. How are you? Hi, my name is Ryan Grable. Uh, thank you, Ross. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here, and man, it's so good just to see everybody together. In, I mean, I know everybody outside. Uh, it's beautiful outside, and so um, we're so happy that we're all together as a church family. And uh, man, oh man, I just couldn't wait for Sunday. Couldn't wait for uh, us to be here to continue the series that we're in. And so just before I get into the announcements, we are in this series on the Holy Spirit. If you want to go back and look at our intro to the series, you can do that online. You can do it uh, with our podcast or even go on YouTube and watch it that way. Uh, but just a couple things to let you know really quick is we have our men's, uh, we have men's and women's discipleship groups. The women's group is pretty full. The guys group, maybe because we are there at 7 a.m., is is about half uh, half full as the ladies. So, guys, there's still an opening for you to get in if you'd like to. Uh, it's at 7 a.m. We meet right downstairs here, and we are going through the book of John. And we're just taking our time to really kind of dig into the, the each passage. But what's great about it is we get to kind of like work off of each other's knowledge of Scripture and learn and grow from each other, right? You know, Lucas, right? I see you there. First time in a men's group, right? And you were just blown away, weren't you? Blown away. Lucas, you'd recommend every guy be there, wouldn't you? <laughs> this is why you'll never be friends with me because you're like, just don't do this. Uh, and then the second thing is, yeah, so you can go online, sign up for it that way, or even just show up uh, to our group in the morning. Uh, and it'll be, it's on Tuesday mornings at 7 a.m. Everything I'm going to say is in here, actually. And then the last thing is, is, uh, is before we have chat come up, is we have our launch class. Now, if you were a part of Hope Church, this might sound new to you. But the launch class is a really great time for if you want to know about who our church is, if you want to know our mission statement, our core values, our statements of faith, and just be able to have time to ask questions and interact. I, I, teach, my, I teach the class along with Christy, and we just kind of go through every bit of kind of the best we can to let you know who we are as a church. So if you're new here and you have just recently started attending, um, you know, you can sign up for the launch class. It's right afterwards. Even if you haven't signed up yet, is Christy in here? Okay, you probably can come, you know what I mean? Don't tell her I said that, but you could probably just show up and, 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 and join the class. And so it'll be right out here on the little patio over here on the side, and it'll be 1130 is when we'll start that. So I really, really rec recommend that you jump into that class. And it's about an hour and a half if you have questions, five, so no big deal. Uh, it's really an hour and a half. So otherwise, guys, anything else you need, go into the bulletin, go on our app, or go online. And so um, to continue the series, Chad's going to introduce our second message of the series. So if you guys could welcome up Chad as he comes up. Thank you, Ryan. Um, I'm going to move this because seeing how tall Ross is is going to make me feel self-conscious this entire time. So I'm just going to move. So just so I can't stand next to his mic stand. Um, can I have Chuck and Tilly come up for a sec? Ryan, we're going to borrow that. Um, we got to go yesterday to um, an incredible ministry that we partner with called Rancho La Hermosa in Mexico, and uh, it was me, Chuck, and Tilly. It was one of our smaller groups. I basically chaperoned a, a, a international date, I guess I would call that, right? <laughs> but um, it, it was a great time, and, and I just want to hear, I want more people in the church to hear about the experience uh, in case they are considering that in the future. Would you want to share a little bit about what that was like for you? Yeah, so... Um... 
Chad picked us up in the morning. Um, has anybody ever ridden in a car with Chad? Okay, we have another survivor. We make okay. good time. <laughs> we make great time. No, but anyways, once we got there, um, absolutely beautiful, just a great experience. Um, the kids there were just so happy to have us. I think I had um, Alejandra in my lap like half of the time that we were there. And as soon as we got there, another one of the little girls just like latched onto my leg and everywhere I went, it was like me and Cynthia, yeah. you know. Um, Could you but throw it up was... those pictures? You see, there, you, see, uh, there, you see them climbing all on top of Tilly everywhere she went. There yeah. There. yeah. <laughs> yes, that is me painting. Great idea. Yeah. Um, and trying to keep the paint off of the sidewalk and off of me. I think my knee got painted at one yeah. point. But um, it was just a really beautiful experience. And I know um, Chad has mentioned before what a safe trip it is up there, and it really is. I mean, we drove just straight through the highway and up the mountain to this beautiful place where these people live. And you could just feel the love the whole time that you were there. So um, if you guys are thinking about it, please come and join us next time. It was a fabulous experience. I really felt blessed by it. Yeah, it was, it was an awesome experience. So you can see the top right picture up there, to the just beautiful overlook of the valley and the, and the ocean. Um, super safe up there. It was... Uh, we played kickball, we played soccer, we played um, tag. I had to f learn the international sign for, for I need a rest. Yeah. So it was like time out. But then one of the girls, Brittany, she started catching on to that. So she was like, time? No. <laughs> tag me, take off run. So uh, it only lasted for the first couple of times. But uh, it, it, was, it was a great time. Um, like Tilly was saying, it was super safe up there. Um, you're away from everybody. You're not even in the main town at all. It's just highway there, and then this remarkable road that they built um, up there at what 50, 50 feet a, a, uh, yeah. a, a at a time. They built this this huge road. So almost two mile road. They built 50 feet at a time with volunteer groups. Luckily, we came after that, so we get to play kickball and stuff like that. Yeah. Not pour concrete in August, yeah. but yeah. And uh, it was funny because uh, I guess word had got out that Chad went to get some pizza and. I was sitting with one of the kids, and he had a, a, one of the ro remote control cars, and he's riding, driving that around, and he's looking out over the edge, and he sees the car coming up the road, and he hands me the RC car real quick, says, here, and he takes off, and I'm like, where'd he go? And I look, and he's washing his hands. He's getting yeah. ready for the pizza as soon as he gets there. <laughs> so it was, it was really cool, a super good time. Uh, if anybody has any questions or concerns or has, wants to dive deeper in some question that they might have, I mean, mm -hmm. feel free to look us up. And, and you know we'll tell you exactly how it was and, and how comfortable we were up there. So, yeah. Thank you. In the car with Chad. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank All right. It, it is such an incredible experience. And to make that clear, I went to get pizza for the children. I didn't go. I didn't take a break to go into town and get pizza for myself. It was yeah. It's for the children. Um, it's pretty great though. I just. I, <laughs> I love it. When I went in there, you know, the, the, the cashier didn't speak English, and I said, um, Trente Niños, you know, 30 kids. And she just pointed to the bottom of the menu. There's a pizza size. It was like, um, oh, uh, Spanish for, for medium, Medino or something like that. And then it was like Grande, Grande XL. And then the biggest size was called Gorilla Feet. In English, it's Gorilla Feet. It said, <laughs> Dos Gorilla Feet. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a, such a great experience, though. And, um, you know, it, it, I, I would encourage you in this, too, it is, um, 
Uh, I feel like when I go to stuff like that, I usually like to, to, to you know, go towards the manual labor. Okay, let, let's paint this, let's do this, or whatever. Um, but, but man, these kids are just so warm and friendly. It is unreal. Um, even when trying to do manual labor, you know, you're, you're, you're painting something, and, and you turn around, and your paintbrush is gone, and then they're jumping back on top of you with the paintbrush in hand, and, and uh, they're just so friendly, so warm. Um, and, and each one of these kids has been through such a tragic journey that led them there. And it's such an incredible thing to go and ju just get to offer uh, just a day of joy and, and playing some games and, and hanging out with them. Um, and it does feel so rewarding for ourselves as well. So definitely consider that. We would like to get enough of a team that we have people who are going down once a month. Um, it is good for us uh, as well. And, and it's good for Soundhouse Church that we are seeing the global church and we're participating in it. So definitely consider that. And uh, maybe once you're vaccinated, it's like that. If you want to come down and, and be a part of that, that, that would be great. Uh, let me pray and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for opportunities like that, as well as opportunities like this, to get to gather as the church, as the body of Christ, and to get to worship, and praise your name, to experience the fellowship of other believers, and to get to open your word and learn. Lord, be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as Ryan mentioned, uh, we are start, We have started last week uh, our, our new series, just we're calling The Spirit, and, and I would absolutely recommend that you go back and watch last week, uh, where Ryan gave a, a great opening to The Spirit. And one of my favorite things that you did, Ryan, was we, we tend to think of the Holy Spirit as, as, as stepping on stage uh, at Pentecost, right, when, when the disciples receive it, and, uh, and, and receiving the Holy Spirit at that point, and we think oh, the Holy Spirit is just a New Testament thing, but... The interesting thing is in, in, in within Hebrew theology, Hebrew understanding, they, they didn't have an understanding of the Trinity. It was just God, and so they would use phrases like the Spirit of God. But it's so interesting now from a Trinitarian understanding, we can look back and say, we would have called that the Holy Spirit. And so you can actually see this Holy Spirit's role throughout Scripture. When we see in the start of Genesis to the end of Revelation, we see the Holy Spirit at work as this outflowing energy, this outflowing presence of God, restoring and redeeming wherever it goes. Um, so yeah, Ryan opened up with that. Definitely check that out. He, he gave some great teaching around the Trinity as a whole and uh, looked at the, the Holy Spirit's role throughout it. But then we fin fin uh, finally ended last week talking about the idea of mysticism and reclaiming mysticism. There's an author I really like. I can't say his name. Um, it is a Swedish name. It's it's got like 18 syllables, but um, I was able to take a class with him in seminary, and, and, and I was reading one of his books, and, and it, was, it was fascinating. Um, he, he was talking about how the historical church has had issues with pneumatology, teachings of the Holy Spirit, because it's so based in personal experience. I mean, we do have some scripture, and we do have some theology, and we ground ourselves in those, but beyond that, the Holy Spirit it is so personal that it becomes difficult as, as, a, as, a, as a corporation, right, as, as, as the collected body to teach from it. And so he talked about throughout history, the church had difficulty. It's messy. It's difficult to, to say exactly what it is because the Holy Spirit can, can work differently in different people's uh, uh, cultures. And so what the church has done historically is, is just set it aside and said, well, that's, that's confusing. That's difficult. That's messy. I'm going to go ahead and just set that aside. And what's happened, he's talking about, is that through that, through that suppression of the Spirit, there is created within, especially within modern Christianity, 
a bit of a mystic rebellion. He, he said that uh, when the spirit is suppressed, the church appears hierarchical, authoritative, and coercive. It looks like stale, lifeless, cookie-cutter church. To someone who is experiencing and finding joy in the spirit and feels that God is, is communing with them and, and that they are, are alive in the spirit, they'll look to the churches that won't talk about the spirit and say, it's stale, it's lifeless, it's cookie-cutter, there's nothing there. And so they've, they've kind of formed a bit of this mystic rebellion where in response to that, it goes completely the other way. And it's walking into putting the personal experience, the individual's personal experience as the primary authority even over scripture or theology. And so it's done, it's created these two sides and it's kind of polarizing and, and neither one's right. It should be somewhere in the middle. The Holy Spirit is absolutely part of uh, the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is absolutely part of God. And we see the Holy Spirit in Scripture. So the churches that are uncomfortable speaking about it need to learn how to speak about it. And Ryan and I shared that we look back at Soundhouse history and what we've talked about some of the roles the Holy Spirit plays. I don't know if we've really done justice to talking about the Holy Spirit. And so we wanted to do that within this series. And today we're going to talk about something that I'm very, very passionate about. And I would say is the primary role of the Holy Spirit in a believer. As we said, it can get different, it can get messy, it can get confusing because everyone's personal experience can be so different. And there's all these exciting or kind of fantastical pieces of the work of the Holy Spirit that can grab our attention. But what I really want to talk about today is, as I said, the primary role of the Holy Spirit within the believer. And it's a word called sanctification. We're going to spend today talking about that. But I want this message to be so clear. So I'm starting by just telling you what it's about. This message is about the primary role of the Holy Spirit, the primary role that the Holy Spirit plays in the believer being sanctification. And here's what I want you to experience this morning. Here's what I want you to, to, to be moved in. That we all come to recognize the part, come to recognize and partner with the work of the Holy Spirit in ourselves as individuals, and in the church. As we look at this today, as we talk about what sanctification is and the Holy Spirit's role in there, first and foremost, I just want you to recognize. And that's huge. That took me a long time. I, I think I didn't realize that the Holy Spirit was actively doing something within me. And as soon as I was able to recognize it, I was able to then partner with it. I was able to then come alongside the Holy Spirit in, in that growth. So I want to kind of break down this word sanctification. The word sanctify means to make holy. What does holy mean? Holy means set apart. Does someone have a Bible in their hands? I got a bunch of different pastors from different rounds, so, I, so I'm using my iPad. Can you, can you hold the Bible? Okay, hold it high up in the air. Okay, so that Bible is holy for two reasons. One, it's holy because we have chosen to set it apart, that it's different than the other books on your bookshelf, right? Maybe you were at a different place in your, in your mind or, uh, or in your soul when you bought this book, and you said, I want to I buy this because I want this to lead my life. So it's different in the way that you have chosen to set it apart, but it's also further made holy by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit inspiring that word, filling that word, speaking to you from that word. So it is holy, first of all, by your decision just to set it apart. And it is further made holy by the Holy Spirit's use of it. Ryan, last week, used a lot of this uh, imagery of the tabernacle and temple. It's a phenomenal thing to think about when we think of the words holy. Now, first of all, it was made holy. If you read the second half of Exodus, ooh, it's dry, right? Everyone's always worried about Leviticus. 
Mm -mm. Leviticus, Numbers, good stuff. Second half Exodus, it gets dry. Uh, but you get these, these, these detailed instructions for, for how the tabernacle should be built and assembled and how many cubic, cubic feet and meters it is, what way and, and what way and what everything should be made out of, where they should source the materials. It goes into this, this excruciating detail because it is set apart. Saying, as the people, we want you to put your best craftsmen on building this. And we want you to build it exactly this way. Not just throw a tent together like you've done for yourselves or anything else. This is different. It's holy because it's different. And so the people set this apart and made it holy amongst themselves. But then what ultimately made it holy was the spirit physically coming down and dwelling amongst them in the center of this tabernacle. And in the center of this temple is what further made this Holy. Ryan shared this last week. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit dwells in you? The tabernacle and the temple were the physical dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Following the death and resurrection of Christ, following uh, the, the um, Pentecost, we are now the physical dwelling place of God's Spirit amongst this world. The church collected bodies of Christ are now the temple. And that's beautiful and that's incredible. And you are holy in one way because you, you chose to set your life apart from, from maybe what it was before or set your life apart from other people in the world. You say, no, my life no longer belongs to me. My life is God's. But then second of all, you are made further holy, further set apart by the Holy Spirit's dwelling inside your body and choosing to use you for his purposes, for the purposes of of the kingdom. So we too are made holy in that way. So real clearly trying to define sanctification, the Holy Spirit is actively working to make your heart into the heart of Christ. That you more naturally respond in love the way Christ does. Did does. Did does. This is what happened. This is what's happening. From the moment you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit filled your body until your last breath, the Holy Spirit is a contractor, is an architect, is within your heart looking and changing things and, and, and tugging on things, convicting you of stuff that needs to go, drawing you towards people who have a, a character of Christ that you need to grow in. The Holy Spirit is this contractor that is actively working to move you closer to the heart of, of Christ. I love this definition uh, from uh, a biblical dictionary. It reads, For Christians, sanctification happens only as they become and remain part of the community of God's people, a people who are corporately and personally being shaped by the Spirit into the image of the crucified Son, and thereby being restored into the image of the holy, life-giving, triune God. You're a construction site. God's working on you. I don't know if you've ever lived in, in, in a construction site, right? If you've ever done remodeling your home. And, and it's uncomfortable, right? We are creatures of habit. No one really loves change. And we see stuff changing around us. We, we're, we're making some changes around here. We, we brought this little cabinet in. But I remember seeing Ryan's face midweek as, as some guys in the church were doing some demo. And he walked in and just saw us cutting a hole in the side of the stage and, and just, you know, took a second say, oh, okay, like, <laughs> what are we doing here, you know? We'll get it looking nice, don't worry. But change can be uncomfortable. 
That construction going on in your heart can be uncomfortable, but that is what the Holy Spirit is doing. And recognizing that is huge. I think I viewed my salvation when I accepted Christ as a, as a you know, Willy Wonka, got the golden ticket, know where I'm going at the end, that's it. Until that day, I'll just kind of coast. I'll see you there. And, and it was sometime in college when I came to really understand sanctification, there's a man named, named John Wesley who ended up founding the Methodist Church, Nazarene Church, all of those. He wrote more, I think, about sanctification than, than anyone else. And, and it was through studying some of his stuff and reading some stuff that that I came to realize this process was going on inside of me. And it changed everything about my faith. My faith was way more active at that point. Way more progressive. We're working towards something. We're getting somewhere. It's not just simply a stagnant identity that I'm going to carry to, to, to the grave. No, it is, it is something that is at work within me. But this can feel hard. As I describe this work going on, you might have the same experience that I had of saying, it doesn't feel like that. For some of you, you might say, it doesn't really feel like something's happening inside of me. And I can have select moments in my life where I can actually feel myself growing in faith. The past couple months has been one of them. Um, because we have poured all we've had for the past seven years into the church and watching it kind of slowly go through so much difficulty through COVID and, and being at the park and not being able to do worship for a year and then this process got started, and Ryan was very clear from the beginning and said, hey, this is, this is Hope's decision. And we're, we are in the back seat, and this is God orchestrating this. And oh, that was a scary time. And I could feel myself growing in faith at that time as I had to look at my future, which was uh, a fuzzy and unclear, and not lay hands on it. And I just had to say, God, wh whatever you lead. That was a time that I felt myself growing in faith. When the church started as well, quit our jobs, moved with our families, and uh, literally moved into my family's house, and um, you know, and, and we had had, had no money in the, in the church bank, and um, you know, we, we weren't even getting a stipend for a long time, and and that felt like a time of, of where I could feel myself growing in faith as I was stepping out in something. But for most of my life, I haven't felt that growth. When we talk about sanctification, most of my life, I don't feel, oh, okay, so Holy Spirit's putting up some crown, crown molding in this corner, right? Oh, okay, I'm working on my humility today. I don't feel those, those minute nudges. But what I'll do, and I'll ask myself, and I'll ask you right now, is as you consider a certain issue, look back five or ten years in your life and ask yourself, would you have responded differently to it then? And absolutely I can think of a dozen different things in my life that 10 years ago, I would have responded so differently. And I can say, okay, that, that is evidence that the Holy Spirit has been working. It might be slower than I want, but the Holy Spirit is working and bringing about change in my heart. Now, I want to ask this question of why. Why the Holy Spirit does this? And the very simple answer is because you asked Him to. The answer is salvation. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you asked the Spirit to dwell inside of you. You asked for salvation, but I think we only were looking at a very small definition of, of the word salvation. Okay, can we throw this, this next slide up? Um, it talks about the uh, salvation in, in three tenses. I'm not going to read all of these, but the three tenses of salvation. So, so the past tense the past tense, when we ask for salvation, we are asking for separation 
from the penalty of sin that we have been saved, that is our justification, that we are, are separated from the penalty of our sin. Jesus took that on the cross. That's our justification. There's some verses there. We're not going to get into those right now, um, but if you want to, you're welcome to write those down. Now, there's the present tense also. We're getting to a second, but there's also the future tense. The separation the, uh, uh, of salvation is separation from the presence of sin, that you will be saved, glorification. What I mean by that is that when you look to your hope in the future, when you look to heaven, you say there will be a time when there is no more sin. Now, we're, we're good at this past and future tense. We say, Jesus has taken all of my sin. It's gone. He took it on the cross. And, but I'm still dealing with the sin in the world and sin in my life, and I'm not exactly who, I, who, who Christ's calling me now. But there'll be a day in the future, there'll be a day where there is no more sin in this world, where there is no more sin in my life. But the present tense is, is for whatever reason, I, I think, I, I can be honest, what, what I never really understood. When I accepted Jesus, my Lord and Savior, when I asked him for salvation, I don't think I understood this present tense. Separation from the power of sin. That I'm no longer captive to the sin of my life, but that something can be done about it. If someone is in captivity, they can't just get up and walk away whenever they want. But this changes it. When I realize the Holy Spirit is at work in my life, I'm going to look at sin in my life and say, how can, how can we get rid of this? How can we deal with this? A couple verses in here real quick. I'm going to jump through real quick. They're not on the screen. Real quick verses um, from this present tense one. Just I want you to see that sanctification is extremely biblical. Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Christ. The work of turning your heart into the heart of Christ will come. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and work for his good pleasure. 2 Corinthians 5. So if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. 2 Corinthians 3. But, the, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It talks about the veil of the law. That for people who lived by the law, there was a veil of understanding. That they, they could understand these rules on the, on the stone, but they couldn't understand the nature of God and, and, and the intent of the law. So even though our outer nature... Oh, sorry, uh, 17. For the Lord is the Spirit, and whenever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have that, had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. That is sanctification right there. The Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. You are being transformed and lastly, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. So we do not lose heart, even though our outer nature is wasting away. No matter what you do, no matter how many treatments or how many uh, you know, minerals you buy or whatever, your outward is going to be wasting away. Your body is in decay. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, because we, because we look not at what is seen, but at what cannot be seen. For, we can see, for what we can see is temporary, but what cannot be seen 
is eternal. Sanctification is happening in the heart of believers, and recognizing it is huge. Right? Think of uh, uh, AA, right, or, or addiction. What's the, the first step is, is admitting you have an addiction. Okay. The first step to seeing sanctification happen in your life, and what we're going to get to next is beginning to partner with the Holy Spirit in that, is admitting it's happening. Recognize that the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart, bringing it closer to the heart of Christ. You know, thinking about this idea of salvation on earth, and, and it can feel weird, not just salvation of, of one day in heaven, but salvation here and now, salvation on this earth. It can feel weird maybe to think about that and talking about salvation as, as, as the cleansing and the repairing and the restoring of your heart. But think about this. If we truly believe that God's created humanity is truly better than our corrupt nature, then this makes sense. If you consider the, the, the effects of sin, if you consider the price of sin, if you, you, know, if you, if you consider a certain sin in your life and, and maybe the damage that you've seen it done in your life, at a certain point we get to a spot of saying, you know what, I think God's way is better. I think the way God created relationships to be is better. I think the way God created um, a community to be is better. I think the way God created my heart to be is better than what I've let it become. If you honestly believe that God's way of life is better than your way of life, the Bible calls that wisdom, especially in the book of Proverbs, that God's way of life is called wisdom. I wasn't even supposed to go into that, but, but, but I love the imagery of this. If you ever look at the book of, of, of Proverbs, it says that God's way of life, what we might call righteousness, the righteous way of living, he calls wisdom, and he gives this imagery. Does anyone know what the imagery in, in Proverbs is of wisdom? Anyone bold enough? A woman. A woman walking the streets of Jerusalem, calling out, and yet no one's interested. No one cares calling out, and yet no one hears her. This is the depiction of God's way of life. It is wisdom, and it's available. It's out your window. Do you care? I think when we come to understand that God's way of life is better than our own way of life, or the way of life that the world has to offer, then the salvation on earth makes sense. It is us turning over our hearts now for the ones of Christ's kingdom. Salvation, not just some ticket one day. It's saying that you are experiencing the life of God's kingdom every day, here and now. You don't view that as restrictive. You view that as life. We know that the result of what our sin bears, and we choose life. Uh, the, the main passage I want to talk about today is just a couple of verses. It's the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 through 25. Let me read this real quick. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Once again, if you're reading this in your Bible, it's Galatians 5, Galatians 5, 22-25. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified with the flesh, with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Now, this is interesting to me, because I think the Bible is so rich in imagery, right? 
But I think this is a, a way that the imagery has actually um, made it more difficult for me to interpret it. Um, I don't do this often, but there's a Greek word karpos. You can put that um, it's right under the verse, karpos right there. And we translate it as fruit, and it, it does, within the definition, mean, mean tr fruit, but, but it's actually it's so much more broad than that. It means result, outcome, or product, the product of something. Now, that makes sense, because you'd say the result of a tree, or the product of this tree, you'd call that fruit. So when it was turned, put into agricultural terms, this word karpos would be used as fruit. But when it's not put in agricultural terms, it would be product, result, right? You didn't put gas in your car. The, the karpos is that you broke down on the side of the road. Like, that, that's, that is the result of what happened. But I, it's funny, when I think of this imagery, I, I don't know, I think I kind of lost just the, the simple value in it. Um, you'll never hear me say this again. I think usually biblical imagery is so powerful at letting us uh, uh, see and interpret scripture. But this was one where I think I, I instantly just I thought of this, oh, the tree of life and, and, and heaven and, and, and you know, the stuff to come and, and all that. And now oh, this makes a wonderful children's ministry story and there's fruit and it's fun. But think about this very, very plainly. The product of the Spirit, the result of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The result of having the Spirit in your life is this. Does that make sense? Now, maybe the imagery was helpful for you, that you view yourself as, as this, this tree and the Holy Spirit uh, is maybe the water or something, and you're producing this fruit. For me, it was almost like I, I kind of got lost in that imagery. I was like, no, no, it's, it's actually very, very simple. It's saying, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, which you are, you're a believer, you do, this is the result. You should be seeing these things in your life. Now let's talk about the idea of uh, imagery of a tree for a second. Um, I do not have a green thumb. Uh, I cannot grow anything. I try for a little bit, but it's the exact same thing. I water it once, I forget for two weeks. It looks entirely dead. I water it and it's a miracle. It loses all of its leaves, but then it comes back and it keeps going. And this is like a, a multi-year cycle that I have with anything I've tried to grow. It's just barely clinging to life. Um, but in general, if you have a, a greener thumb than I do and you're, and you're good with, with plants, you can do all this stuff to help it. But can you, by your will, cause it to grow something? You can't. Now, you can put it in the right environment. Is it north-facing? Is it whatever? You know, you can, you can give it the right amount of water. You can give it the right kind of soil. You can do these things which will, which will join and, and, and aid it. But you, by your own ability, cannot cause a tree to produce fruit. You can't force that to happen. Now, that's actually good imagery here for us to think about sanctification. Your heart becoming more and more like that of Christ is entirely the work of the Spirit is entirely the work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot brag about that. You can't claim that, oh, I have, you know, I've developed my humility so much in my life. First of all, that wouldn't make sense, because, yeah, <laughs> case in point, right? But I love that joke of I'm the most home person I've ever met, or I'm the most home person I know. Love it. Um, okay, you can't force that to happen. You can't force that growth. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. But you can do a lot to help that tree, Right? Like I said, you can water it correctly. You can give it the right soil. You can put it in the right environment. So when we consider that for ourselves, what does it look like to join in the Spirit's efforts? You do not bring about your own sanctification. That is not something for you to brag about. 
And once again, this could fall into a works-based religion, right? But it's not. Because that salvation, that, that, that sanctification going on in our heart, that's not me. That's not you. You can't force that to happen. That's happening on its own. But you can do things to aid it. What does it look like to join in the Spirit's efforts of sanctification? Um, first, I, I want to read this quote um, by William Law. It's a, it's a little bit abrupt. It's a little bit harsh, but it convicted me. He says, And if you will hear, stop, and ask yourself, why you are not as pious as the primitive Christians were. Your own heart will tell you that it is neither through ignorance nor inability, but purely because you never thoroughly intended it. I was convicted by that one. If you look back at the early church and you say, why am I not as pious, not as you know, pursuing God as much as they were? He says it's not because of ignorance or inability. But did you honestly desire it? Think about the things that you chase in your life that job, that whatever. You, you, I'm very single-track mind. When I get something that I'm excited about, I am, I am going after that with everything I have. But then I read this, I say, am I, how much do I value my sanctification? Am I pursuing that spiritual growth in my heart? Or am I kind of like, hey, Holy Spirit, your pace, that sounds good, you know? We'll see where we're at next year. So how do we join the Spirit's efforts? First and foremost, praying for sanctification. There's multiple verses talking about uh, what we pray for and, and God being a good father and will give us what we need and stuff like that. Can you think of anything more pleasing for the Father to hear in your prayers than, Lord, make me more like Christ? Lord, purify my heart. The Holy Spirit will convict you. You will be, you know, I, I've been convicted of my humility at times. And so I come at this in, in multiple ways. You know, first of all, I start praying for it, saying, Lord, make me more humble. Maybe don't humiliate me, but make me more humble, right? <laughs> uh, Lord, show me people around that I can learn from in humility. So it begins with prayer. That is you recognizing the Holy Spirit at work in you and saying, God, I want the same thing that you want. And expose to me, Lord, expose to me what it is in my heart that needs to be dealt with. And let me deal with that. And let you deal with that. You know, a couple examples of... Um, People who just really inspired me in their, in their intent of their sanctification. I want to share with you. The first one, I think I've shared these both before, but they're, they're just so good. The first one is Ben Franklin's Book of Virtues. You can put that, that picture up. So Ben Franklin uh, had this little, little pocketbook that he kept in his, in his shirt pocket all day. And it was 13 different virtues that he thought were relevant. Now, interesting you might look at them and say, uh, you can look them up later if you want, and say, like, oh, these are kind of funny or whatever. These are for him. He looked at his own life and said, these are 13 things that I feel I need to grow in. I feel the Holy Spirit convicting me that i got to grow closer to the way Jesus would do these 13 things. He kept his little book. Each week, he would have a different, uh, a different word, a different virtue at the top. So this was temperance. It says, eat not to, uh, eat not to dullness, drink not to elevation. That was uh, what he was focusing on that week. But down the side, there's the 13 virtues he was working on. And then you can see it's the week going across. And he left this in his shirt pocket. And whenever he felt that he dropped the ball on a situation, he'd take out that and just put a little, little dot on that one. Now, that seems maybe petty or small or weird. But how mindful do you think he was of, of, of his sanctification versus us? I tried this for an exercise. I did this for a couple weeks, and, and I, it's incredible how mindful. I knew I'd have to put that mark, so I just would shut my mouth instead of saying that thing, you know? 
It's incredible when you're mindful of it, when you're praying for your sanctification, you're mindful, you say, God, I know you're trying to develop me, that you actually focus in on it more. Um, John West, as I mentioned, uh, he started something um, in his college called the Holy Club. Sounds like a fun group, right? And um, yeah, don't want to go to their mixers. Uh, but the Holy Club, Holiness Club, um, it, uh, it's funny, they actually started getting mocked at their school um, with the word Methodist, that saying that, you know, they, they eat when they're supposed to eat, and they sleep when they're supposed to sleep, and they, you know, whatever. And, um, and so they were calling them, you know, Methodist as, as kind of, you do everything by method. And John West said, I like that. I'm going to take that as my church name. Um, but he developed these 22 questions that this holiness club would ask themselves. Now, these are not scripture. These are not perfect. These might not, uh, you know, hit you in a certain way, but this is what this group of individuals said uh, was valuable to them. And so they'd ask themselves these questions whenever they were gathered. They'd ask themselves some of these questions to consider their sanctification. I want to read some, and they're probably small up there, um, and I kind of messed up on the numbering, but I don't even know where the left column is. I'm not great at slides. Let me read them to you. You can look them up later if you like. John Wesley's Holiness Club, 22 questions. Let me read these real quick. Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? Am I honest in all my acts and words, or do I exaggerate? Do I confidently pass on to another what was told to me in confidence? Can I be trusted? Am I a slave to dress Friends, work, or habits? Oh, I love this next one. Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? They're different on the spectrum, but am I obsessed with myself? Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? Did the Bible live in me today? Do I, did I give it time to speak to me every day? Am I enjoying prayer? Not, did I pray? Am I enjoying? That's an honest question to ask yourself. When did I last speak to someone else about my faith? Do I pray about the money I spend? Right? That's a question of stewardship. Am I, being, am I praying about how I spend my money and asking God to reveal the truth in that? Do I get to bed on time and get up on time? And that might seem like, Silly, ridiculous, whatever. And once again, this was what was relevant to him, maybe not to you. But it's a question once again of stewardship. If I'm exhausted because I, you know, stayed up too late, am I useful the next day? So we ask these questions on intent. Did I get to bed on time? Do I disobey God in anything? Do I insist upon something about which my my conscience my conscience is uneasy? Am I being convicted in anything? Am I defeated in any part of my life? That's a good one. Am I defeated in any part of my life? Is there something in my life that is holding me back? Maybe that's a hurt that I need to start to work through. Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? How do I spend my spare time? Am I proud? Do I thank God that I am not as others, especially as the Pharisees who despise the publican? There's that, that, that parable, that story of of the, the, the man who goes up on the Temple Mountain is beating his chest and just repeating the phrase, uh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And there's the Pharisees who are judging him. Um, and he says, am, am I, am I, do I thank God that I'm not as other people are? 
Verse 20, sorry, number 20. Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, or hold resentment toward or disregard? If so, what am I doing about it? Right? Is there anyone who has a hold on my, my life because of a hurt? And if so, what am I doing about that? Do I grumble or, contain, or complain constantly? And the last one is, is Christ real to me? These individuals would gather actually daily and they'd ask themselves some of these questions. Now, you could take or leave any of these questions. I, I don't really care, but the, the, the point is, are you conscious of your sanctification? Are you asking yourself questions? God, where do I need to grow? Holy Spirit, convict me on what needs to be changed in my heart, what needs to be developed within me. And God, it's only you who can do that. You know, I talked in the beginning about uh, what I wanted us to do is, is recognize um, and partner as individuals and as a church. Now, sanctification is a weird thing to think about as a church, but it is absolutely true. This series, as we said in the beginning, came out of a conviction that I don't think we have taught on the Holy Spirit well enough. That is your church growing. And it feels weird to say that because churches, like, like any institution, want to put out that, that they've got it all figured out and we're all, we're all perfect. But no, like your church as a whole is growing. And I believe the Holy Spirit put this on some individuals who brought this to our attention and said, yeah, maybe it's time to talk about that. That is the Holy Spirit sanctifying this church. I think there are other things we've done. The Ambassador Series, we did that, gosh, four or five years ago, but that was something that, that moved the needle on this church. Made us look outside of ourselves as we started asking, am I an ambassador of God's kingdom? Or am I content with just being a citizen? Am I an ambassador? Get this. The last series we did before COVID was our hospitality series. Doesn't that feel like five years ago? Oh my gosh. Uh, if you weren't with us then, we, we, we looked at what is biblical hospitality. This idea that uh, it, it was weird to do because we always considered ourselves one of the, you know, the, the church was some of the friendliest people we ever knew. And we had an individual come to the church and, and grab coffee with Ryan and I and, and just mention that, yeah, it seems like everyone's really friendly. But, but no one's kind of opening up the circle. And it was, it was, it was a hard thing to, to broach and to, to come into. And, and they felt like no one was kind of welcoming them. And, and that convicted us a lot. And we looked at biblical hospitality of the church's call to welcome the outsider, not just take care of itself. But that was a, a piece of sanctification for the church. The church grew, not just you as an individual who was challenged, but the collective body, the leadership, the director, everything grew from the Holy Spirit convicting us through an individual and we, we, we saw it, we agreed. And we went through a time of learning and a time of change. But there's absolutely sanctification that happens for the church. And we're in a cool one right now, talking about the Holy Spirit, but who knows what is next? Who knows where the Holy Spirit will continue to lead this church? As I, as I wrap up, I, I just want us to be mindful of this. As I said, our goal is that we are first aware of the Holy Spirit's role in your life and in the church's life. And that second, we find out how can we partner? What if you started helping that contractor bring lumber in, you know? What if you said, oh yeah, let me hold up this side while, while, while you nail that in? How can we be present? How can we be mindful of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives? And how can we partner with him to get that done? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you are an incredible God because not only are you almighty and, and the God of the universe and big, but you are also small in that you know each one of us 
individually and you care for us individually. Lord, the Holy Spirit is the greatest evidence of that because you, uh, you know, we have scripture and we have theology, but, but you said, I need to send that helper, that, that one who will come alongside each believer and will come alongside a body as a church and will lead them in the way of Christ. Lord, I pray that we recognize as individuals and as a church that you are at work in us. And as you are at work in us, we desire to partner with you. Lord, expose things in our life that need exposure. Show us where we have gone astray from the way and the heart of Christ. Lord, call us back to that. Bring us those spiritual mentors who can, who can guide us in what it looks like to grow in those, in those facets of our faith. Lord, we thank you for who you are and your constant presence in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand with us? i 
close out the service today with this. Chad, I really like the example of you're under construction. You know how it is. When God's trying to work through your heart, your life, there are rooms we do not want the Spirit to touch. And I've had that where it's like, hey, love the plan, love the idea, just not the man cave. And God's like, I, I want to open it all up because you don't think you see what I see. And there is, it is that way where you may not exactly see the full plan. And I don't know if you've ever been uh, around somebody who can see what you can't see. They see the potential. They imagine how it's going to look and then they make it happen. It, it blows my mind. I'm not one of those people who can do that when it comes to like a building. But the Spirit, He's doing that in our heart. We're going to have to trust the process. But yes, as He is moving to an area of our life, have you ever found yourself running to guard it and say, not this, I, I go here for comfort. 
this is where I rely on myself. And the Spirit will allow you to do it. He will. He will allow you to build this beautiful home and then keep this one area where when people come through, they're like, why is that there? And you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, this is just for me. It doesn't fit the full plan. And, and the Spirit's asking for that. And the sanctification process is long. No one just gets it right away. And it's a trusting process. And the Spirit's inviting you in to be a part of that work. So I love it, Chad. I love that you use the word product, what he's producing, what he manufactures out of a heart, or the fruit that you bear. Some people don't bear any fruit in these areas, and the Spirit's inviting you into it. So I, I really am excited about this whole series as we go into all these facets of what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. And uh, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. And so just have one thing to really let you know is that our launch class, what I talked to you about earlier, you know, where anybody can come if you want. I think there's enough food. Maybe there isn't, but you can have mine. If you've never been and you're like, man, maybe I, sh maybe I should just go, you can have my lunch. I would love it for anybody to be there just to find out more about the church, who we are, and be able to ask questions. And then, you know, just uh, that's happening at 1130 right out in the courtyard after this. Uh, and lastly, if you feel like, hey, th I'm a part of what we're doing here. I want to see what God's going to do. One of the things that you can do, it's a spiritual discipline, but, but be a part of giving. Be a part of like, not just giving, I'm not talking about just giving and volunteering, which is very, very important, but I'm specifically talking about being a part of giving and financially, and that's just partnering with us. Don't feel like weird if you don't. We're just saying like, hey, if you want to be a part of that discipline, um, we would love for you to just kind of explore our options, which are online, on the, uh, through the app, or even just in giving boxes in the back. We're partnering together to do what God wants us to do, and we know part of that is it happens financially. And so thank you, thank you so much for just joining in and, and really just allowing and partnering with us to really do the work God's called us to do. So, guys, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Have a great Sunday. Put on some sunscreen if you need to. It's going to be a great day. So God bless. We love you.